Emerging Europe Talks brings you insight and intelligence designed to help entrepreneurs, investors, governments and all knowledge seekers navigate the emerging Europe region. The talks focus on innovation and technology, sustainable social and economic growth, business, politics and culture and help the right people identify the right opportunities and trends. This is Emerging Europe Talks People. My name is Andrew Robel, and I am joined by Olga Grigier-Siddens. Olga is a business advisor and mentor. She has over 30 years of experience working with professional services, advising private and public sector clients in more than 30 countries. She's also a former CEO of PwC Central and Eastern Europe and the first female member of the PwC Global Strategy Council. She is very passionate about responsible leadership and personal growth and is now launching an experiential learning hub for leaders and their teams to acquire new insights, knowledge, and skills to respond to global challenges. Olga, welcome to Emerging Europe Talks. Wonderful to be with you, Andrew. Excellent. So let's start with the very first question. We were talking about leadership. I mean, does it really matter to speak about male versus female leadership? Or should we talk about leadership in general? I think we should be talking about good leadership that is fit for current challenging times. And I think if you talk about good leadership, it is important to uh, be very clear about what good leadership is. And to me, one of the sort of basic ingredients, basic components is that a group of leaders needs to be diverse. They need to be people who come from uh, different backgrounds, different walks of life, who've got different experience, who are of different age, who think differently. And gender is a, is a natural part of it because only when you've got that kind of diverse group of people uh, can you make good leadership decisions. I mean, we've all seen what happens when you've got narrow groups of people thinking alike, they're much more likely to make mistakes and miss big risks. So what do you think is the balance between, you know, fairness and merit when it comes to leaders, but also, you know, in business in general? I think in business, it's incredibly important to be talking about merit because in business, the, the prime objective of business is to, is to create value. It's to create value for shareholders, but also for the much broader group of stakeholders. And you've got to be looking at the actual qualities of the people who are leading the business, of the skills that they bring to the party. So in addition to making sure that you've got the diverse group of people, you, you have to first and foremost make sure that the people who are uh, leading the business have appropriate experience and have appropriate skills. So if you, in particular, referring to the gender issues, if you look at the, the pool of talent, well, 50% of the well-educated population are women. So therefore, if you want to have the largest possible pool of talent to draw your future leaders from, you've got to focus on both uh, female and, and male uh, candidates. And, and what we're seeing right now that even though 
females represent 50% of that talent pool. Actually, when you look at the top leadership positions, there's only about somewhere between 20 to 25% of those top positions are taken by women. So I think business leaders do need to ask themselves a question. Am I giving my stakeholders the best possible opportunity to create value if I'm only fishing in half of the pool or if I'm predominantly fishing in half of the talent pool? But, you know, it's not always that easy to try and fish in that large pool. And I'll give you an example here. A few months ago, we as Emerging Europe organized an event. There was one particular session devoted to technology and innovation. And at the time, we were trying to find a balanced panel of experts. And we ended up, we, we tried really hard and we ended up having a male heavy panel discussion with not a single female representative. At the same time, a few months later, we organized another event and we didn't focus on that balance that much, I would say. And we ended up having a female heavy panel, which was really extraordinary because suddenly you had a tech related panel discussion and you just had all women and just one man who sort of was the moderator only. So how should we do that actually? Is there a recipe sort of to help get a balanced representation here? Well, I think in this example, Andrew, it's just like in business, you've got to look at the merit first because you want to have a good panel discussion. So you're looking for participants who have the right experience, who can bring variety of, of different views and perspectives to your to your conversation. The same is in in business. You're first and foremost looking for the people who are bringing the right ingredients, um, who've got the right experience and who've got the right skills to create value. But then you also check, you sort of think, have I got the right composition here? Am I missing something? And you're not always able to address that gap immediately, even if you do recognize that there's Uh, some views that you may be missing. You may have to work towards it. And that's exactly what's been happening in business. There has been the recognition that women have been underrepresented in uh, leadership roles. And therefore, many businesses have been working on, on bridging that gap. And statistics are getting better. Some would say uh, they're not getting better fast enough. And so, so you've been working with a number of different countries in the region, and I'm talking about emerging Europe or Central and Eastern Europe, if you will. And uh, I would like to ask you about your experience in sort of meeting female leaders across Central and Eastern Europe, or actually seeing those female leaders in managerial positions across the region. So first of all, I think I would say that There isn't really that much of a difference if you're traveling around our region, the Central and Eastern Europe, to say what you would see in Western Europe. I would say that, if anything, traditionally in our region, we've had greater participation of females in the workforce. And that, of course, was driven by the economics. Women had to always work in in business. So you do see a lot of women in uh, positions of managers, especially 
middle ranking managers in businesses. And similar, again, to, to Western Europe, they would tend to be in areas that are supporting of business, HR, PR, communication, finance and administration. This, in, in many businesses in our region, women will tend to dominate those types of areas. I think if you then look across the different segments, across the different sectors and functions in businesses, it is striking how few women work in fields such as strategy or technology or research and development. Yeah, so you do see some gaps. As I say, they're not unique to our region. And you also see that the higher up the ranks you go, fewer women you meet. Or if you look at businesses, the smaller the business, the more likely you see female members of, of management boards. And then obviously that the percentage will get uh, lower the higher up you, you go. And I would say that's obviously not exclusive to our region. These are the general trends we see across the globe. What I think you do see in our region is that for women, it is, it can be harder to get to those positions. Firstly, because of that, of the traditional double burden. So females are working both professionally and then they have a lot of additional responsibilities at home. And I think statistics for our region tend to be higher than in other parts of Europe. So on average, a woman would put in somewhere between two to six hours of unpaid labor at home. There are challenges with childcare, both with availability of childcare and the cost of childcare, as well as many others. And not to underestimate the stereotypes and the sort of cultural tendencies that I think are quite prominent in our region, that whereas women were accepted to go to work and to earn money, it's not necessarily as acceptable in our region for women to get to the positions of power. And very often women in positions of power are seen as domineering and bossy, whereas, you know, our expectation of women is to be agreeable, pleasing, supporting. So it's quite tough to get out of those stereotypes. Do you think this cultural aspect is still prominent? Because last week I moderated a session about, well, starting a business and succeeding in business in the region. This was part of a, a conference called Macedonia 2025 in Skopje. And I had a, a panelist, a female panelist from Georgia, and she was saying she's very successful. She started quite a few different businesses in Georgia. She's a young leader named by the World Economic Forum as well. And uh, she was telling us stories from, you know, a few years ago when she was starting one of the businesses and she wanted to get a loan at the bank. And because she did not come with a man, she couldn't get that loan. So do you think that is still, that this cultural aspect is still important? Well, that story, Andrew, I've heard many times. 
from uh, female entrepreneurs, in particular in, in a startup situation. They say that when they go to see potential investors, they tend to take a man with them because it is easier. So clearly there is something there. And, and also it's enough to look at statistics. So we all know anecdotal evidence that women are breaking the glass ceiling and they are doing better, both in business, in technology and in politics. However, if you look at the statistics, uh, the statistics very clearly show that we've still got a long way to go. And there are some things that are holding women back and some of those cultural, traditional things are still there. That unconscious bias, you know, unconscious because very often we don't even notice it, unfortunately, is still amongst us. So I wanted to sort of show you a quote. We probably have heard it. You know, Madeleine Albright said that there is a special place in hell for women who don't help other women. How do you think that aspect is important in sort of supporting, I mean, women supporting other women in breaking that or breaking to those managerial positions or, or simply supporting each other? How is that important? I think it's hugely important. I think it's hugely important for women to get that help. And I would say that needs to come both from men and from women and from the general environment. And as we were saying at the beginning, this isn't just for women. This is for all of us so that businesses perform better and that we all prosper. So that's the reason why we want more women in leadership roles, not for the sake of it. It's to generate more prosperity and to make life better for all of us. So I think that's really important. So I remember when I started my career, there was a lot of talk about our women supporting other women. And there were always examples of, you know, how when women got to the top, they were really dismissive of other women. There's some quotes that Margaret Thatcher has given on that subject where she actually did not see, did not look to support other women into key political positions. So there were lots of those examples around. But I would say that that has changed tremendously over the years. And in particular, in our region, wherever I went, actually, there were well-organized and actively performing female network groups, support groups, females supporting and helping each other. So I think, I, whilst I absolutely agree with the quote, I think things have uh, changed since then. I think actually what is needed more is, apart from role models and mentors, which females also need, but men understanding women better, being sponsors of women business cases. And I think it's a really good two-way kind of mutual education. We've seen that when men work with women, men understand better how differently wired women are and the benefits and the value that women can bring to, to the picture. And they also see how some of the kind of traditional processes that uh, many businesses have got in place are getting in the way of women succeeding. So they can then adjust the culture of the organization to, to make that culture more inclusive. But also women grow in confidence and are much more comfortable in that 
what traditionally is a male business. So, so I would say we're past that, Andrew, and I think we now need to move on to the next level. So at some point, we mentioned a couple of different female politicians, Madeleine Albright and, and Margaret Thatcher. How do you see, because recently, we, just a couple of weeks ago, we, we had Kamala Harris becoming the first uh, vice president of the United States and being the first woman and also, you know, a person of, uh, well, the first woman of color. If you look at our region, it seems that there's been, there have been more female politicians. Is that something different in our region or how do you see that? Yes, we, we have some remarkable women in, in our region, in the world of politics. So we uh, have, uh, we've, in Poland, we've had three female prime minister in our relatively short history. We have many European commissioners who come from our region. There is Kristalina Georgieva, who is the executive director of the IMF. So I, I, I think the list goes on. So there's plenty of inspiration for us women in Central and Eastern Europe. And, and we know that it can be done. We also appreciate the costs and the, and the price that very often uh, women pay for that. And I would add, in, especially in, in politics, because politics has become, it can be in certain circumstances, such a toxic place. And I think women tend to avoid that type of environment. So, you know, I was looking at some uh, statistics and, uh, and, and, and apparently female politicians get a lot more harassment and a lot more uh, negativity in the uh, media coverage than their male equivalents. And interestingly, not only do they get overall less coverage as a percentage of, of what they're doing, but large chunks of that coverage tends to relate to their appearance, for instance. And I know that is incredibly of putting for many women in politics and, and quite frankly in business as well, being asked about how you're coping as your mother when you're as a mother when you're in a in a top business position is not necessarily a question that you want to comment on. You want to be talking about the business trends and how you're preparing your business to succeed, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Women tend to those more personal questions. Yeah, or the ideas that you would like to uh, promote or, or, or discuss. You mentioned Poland at some point, and if you look at the, the current development, there's quite a few female activism with this, you know, the women's strike. How do you think that part is important? I'm talking about female activism. So I think, Andrew, what we're seeing in the world right now is huge polarization. For many, many years, we were sort of somewhere around the center. And now, over the last 10 years or so, we seem to have gone to the, to the extremes. And I think one of the things that women can bring to the table is actually that bridge, helping people see and understand each other's uh, views. Women tend to be really good listeners. They have a lot of empathy. They want to understand other people's views. They want to solve problems. And I think what we're seeing in the world right now is that the problems are so 
complex and the views on how to solve those problems are so polarized, you know, so whatever you take, whatever issue you take, whether you take the issue of climate, whether you take the the health issues with, uh, say, the, the recent pandemic being a good example, or you look at the some of the worldview issues that are out there, you seem to have such uh, diversity of opinions and so much emotion and negativity that I think we are seeing more and more female activists who are trying to address what we're seeing around us and that underrepresentation in the world of both business and politics that we talked about earlier because we've got the percentages or vary from 10 to maximum at best 30% representation well you know, if we're looking at vast majority of women who are incredibly well educated, who've got their point of view and who feel that they can make the difference, we will see more females taking a stand and having a say and wanting to make the world around them a better place. So my final question here, what can each of us do? And I'm talking about small steps, small things to improve the situation of uh, women and having, you know, in order to have them better represented in our public life? Well, Andrew, I would say, first of all, being aware of what's going on, I think that's really important because as we said earlier, you could, if you're just going by by little stories, uh, you see that there are more women in those positions. So you think the problem has been fixed. But when you actually look at the data, the statistics, you see that it hasn't. And you will also see that things have slowed down over the last few years. So positive changes are still taking place. They're just taking place at a slower rate. So I think being aware of that is is really important. Once we're aware, we tend to sort of try and do something about it. And then, as you would say, as you say, I think... We've got to take steps that are proportionate to the position that we are in. So if you are a business leader or if you are a politician, you've got to act with responsibility and you've got to use the power you have to uh, create the best environment for the best leaders to emerge, for the leaders that we need to address the challenges today and tomorrow. And if you look at those challenges that we have and those challenges that emerge, they need both male and female talent in order for us to live comfortably together. Olga, thank you very much for all the insights. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you about leadership. Wonderful to be with you. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you all for listening, and we look forward to your company for the next episode of Emerging Europe Talks. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and do leave a review. This will help us ensure a regular stream of great guests you want to hear from. And finally, check out our news and analysis platform at emerging-europe.com. Emerging Europe Talks.